Hi, welcome to Tough Love Podcast with me, Marie Lockman, matchmaker, dating specialist and the founder of Love HQ Matchmaking. And me, Stephanie Regan, clinical psychotherapist and relationship expert. So today, Marie, we're going to talk about coercive control and the narcissistic personality type that many people meet. It's a real serious side of dating, but it's one that I find we I encounter a lot um, and I think that people will benefit from having this discussion and getting some real facts and resources around it. I think it's probably one of the most important conversations we're going to have, Stephanie. Both of us have encountered it a huge amount in uh, both in matchmaking and dating side of things and you with the relationship expert and, yeah. and therapist side of things. But I also think that um, it's hugely important for people, especially setting out on a new dating journey, to be able to spot the signs and the red flags faster. Yes. Yep. Love to do that. So Stephanie, this week on the podcast, we said we would talk about coercive control and narcissism. And I think it is a topic that is long overdue. I actually put up in the podcast or up on my Instagram, sorry, last week, did anybody have anything they wanted us to discuss? And mm-hmm. both narcissism and coercive control came up more times than I would like to like to think about, if I'm honest. Um, but it was you that actually said, let's do it. So what were your reasonings for doing it? I suppose, um, I think, first of all, there's an awful lot out there in the media around it. Um, I think that we have to be sure that we understand what really is involved and the the extreme nature of it and how there is such a such a sort of um, so many opportunities in many ways to see these things coming. And I suppose that's part of what motivates us, isn't it, to to kind of empower women more, to equip women more, to give, to give, and men, but, but, you know, say in many of these instances, what we find is, you know, that the, the victims are 95% women. And, um, but we have to also take account for that. And we'll talk, talk about that uh, laterally. But I think it's really important that we, we resource people with the right information and with a whole set of understandings that maybe get a little bit lost in the stories, you know, um, like one person will have one thing. We've had had a recent conviction around, you know, all emails. Somebody had written 40,000 emails to, to, to a victim and really, wow. you know, um, really put them in fear of, of, of their life. But there's at the very, be- that's at the end of the continuum. But at the beginning of the continuum, you as a dating specialist, you're meeting people all of the time. And if we can really give people that sense of, knowing and understanding, I think it's just going to be really helpful to them. I really think so. I put a a poll on our Instagram over the weekend um, and I just asked people, you know, have you ever been a victim of narcissism, uh, coercive control, both, or people that had not? Okay, so 32% of people that did the poll um, have have, uh, experienced narcissism in their relationship. 14% experienced coercive control, 39% uh, experienced both, but only 16% said that they have never experienced either narcissism or coercive control. 16. Like, Mm. so it's way more out there than, than we can even let on. I kind of think the reason for that is because people do like to kind of put their best foot forward or they want to show that their relationship, they kind of, I don't want people to know that this stuff is happening behind closed doors, I would think. Or if they do, they may only tell one or two people. Whereas, you know, when things are going well, you might tell 100 people. So uh, it is mm. very often something that happens behind closed doors. 
Yeah, of course it is like many old things in relationships. And that's why people can suffer silently with this. Um, I, I'd slightly query the figures because I think it's kind of a select little group that it is it, there. Yeah. yeah, to be fair. And I, I don't think it's pervasive. I don't think it's it's everywhere. And I don't think, it, you know, it, it's still pertinent and important for it. it. The point is it's so extreme when it occurs that it's always so important and it leads on to such awful um, suffering for the victim. But I think that uh, we need what we what we really need to try and help people to see is how to spot it at the outset, not to identify what it's like, mm -hmm. but also to get back whatever power you can to deal with it. Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, so, Stephanie, maybe we might do a little bit on what is coercive control, first of all. Well, what is coercive control? It's, it, you know, if we just take it from the if you like the firm definitions, it is it's a it's a consistent pattern of controlling coercive and threatening behaviors that leaves the victim feeling trapped and unable to leave that relationship. So there's lots of things in there. It can and let's just talk kind of clinically first and then we mm -hmm. can elaborate it out into yeah. our, you know, what you where you've seen it, where I've seen it, and all of that. Um, but you know, it can involve manipulation, intimidation, sexual coercion. Gaslighting, which we've all talked about a lot, which is a form of psychological abuse in, in which the victim feels that they have to doubt their own memory or their own sanity. And this is done in a purposeful way by the perpetrator, if you like, that they're doing it to unhinge your sense of confidence can we in yourself. Actually, yeah, can we actually just say what gaslighting is? Because very often if I mention gaslighting on Instagram or even in the podcast, I get yes. people in asking what is gaslighting? So what gaslighting, yeah. it goes back in to historic times when people used to read with gaslights and yes. there was one particular gentleman that kept on turning down the dullness of the light until it became very dull and his wife used to say to him, oh, it's got very dark all of a sudden. And he used to say, no, um, that's just your mind. It's just your mind. And that's where the gaslighting comes in. It's where the reference is. Making that's right. you believe uh, or uh, making you question your own sanity, basically, or your yes. own memory or whatever it is. Yes. Okay. So yes. just wanted to, to cover and that. It's, and if you think of it in, 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 in other terms, you know, when, when you're in a conversation with somebody who, who is inclined to this, they will, or in an argument or otherwise, they will, they will always make you feel that your version of things is not right. You didn't get it right. You're over overthinking it or you're misinterpreting that event. Yes. And we were just earlier talking about, um, and I, I, one of the reasons that I have really loved Bad Sisters, apart from the fact that, of course, it's solid, good drama and good entertainment, but the kind of, the very subtle way that these kind of behaviours get laced into a relationship, I think they are just splendidly portrayed in this. You can see the 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 the, the woman in the instance, uh, Grace is her name, and then there is the JP is the husband who is very much the coercive controller in yes. this case. But you can see her smarting to the you know almost you know clenching in in total disbelief at something that is said to her. And yes. it has just disarmed her thinking or made her question. And then you see her, you see her slowly and um, in a piecemeal way, in a kind of an incremental way, becoming less and less sure, more and more inclined to excuse him, more and more kind of accommodating him, more and more changing her behaviour. And that's why I think it's it's such a good program in that sense that it really helps people to see that it's not it's not one thing 
it's not two things. It's an absolute pattern that is designed to keep her under control and to keep her within the parameters that he sets for her. And and it erodes her confidence and her sense of autonomy. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. I think anybody that hasn't seen Bad Sisters, first of all, you need to, because it's actually great Irish TV, so it is. I don't know. I think it's uh, done with, through a UK channel. But um, it is fantastic. Yeah. It's on Apple TV. Um, and I think it's for anybody. I know myself watching it. I mm-hmm. wanted to punch the TV. <laughs> like, I know. Tell him this. Tell yeah. him to say this and everything. I think anybody especially has been through anything like that before. Um, yeah. I, at parts, it hurt my heart is the only way I can describe it because yeah. I can feel the loneliness within her. But it's definitely worth... Um, De- like mm. it's it's very entertaining it's very funny now I don't yeah. we obviously don't support women going out trying to kill their brother-in-laws but, no. you know no that's drama <laughs> but can I can I say yeah. one of the things like in a clinical sense that that you know we know the power of people witnessing yeah. and other people suffering because what it does is it helps people not to feel alone um it also allows them to check their own behavior and their own understanding of the world that's why that drama has a power for any victim or any person who feels yeah. they're in doubt about their relationship, I would call it like prescribed viewing, um, because it will allow you to check your own behavior, your own sense of things as you see this being played out, if you like, week on week. Yeah, I think that's a, it's good to see it. Um, I am currently here. I'm just put in on women's age, actually, coercive control. And I think it's important that we talk about maybe the signs of what it is and how to know Absolutely. if you are in um, that type of relationship or if someone you know might be in that type of relationship. So it says know the signs. So you can look this up on womensage.ie. I just literally Googled that and coercive control. Know the signs. And of course, this can happen to men as well. And I really do stress that it's not just women because I get men and women coming to me that have had those sort of type of relationships. And so do you, Stephanie. But I just think their explanation is very good. So answering yes to any of the following questions may help you to recognise the signs of coercive control. One, do you feel like you're being isolated from your friends and family? Now, I think this would be a very obvious one. Um, Well, kind of more commonly felt is what I would mean, not by obvious. But um, when it's happening to you, it's maybe not so obvious. Exactly. And maybe even to go through them one by one might be yeah. useful. Okay. So right? I'll do them. Because yeah. Rather yeah. than us racing through the list, because I, I really that's so. where it is. That's where the truth of this is. Yes. Um, when you when you say isolated, right, from friends and family, there's a few things that, that jump to my mind. Yes. I wonder what jumps to your mind yes. in the dating side. But what I, I think is sometimes a partner, a partner can start, and this is male and female, mm-hmm. right? So we need to we need to be clear on that. It happens in the reverse as well, you know, men, yes. men to men, and uh, sorry, men to men, you know, but women to men, etc. Um, you know, not equally though, much more prevalently the other direction. But it's it's about criticizing family. It's about making family and friends uncomfortable when they come to visit you. So you you find. Gradually, you don't ask them because it's not worth it because yeah. it's too difficult. So it's not. These are the little shades, aren't they, of how yes. the controller, let's put it that way, works works to get their way. Uh, so if the you know they might say things like, "Well, she's not very good for you," you know, mm-hmm. I, I think she looks down on you, or um, they might say things that sort of diminish the person in your eyes, like. Um, I heard her talking about you to someone else. 
Yes. I very, think it's some very subtle ways to do it. But I liked what you said there. It might make it very uncomfortable when someone comes to visit you. Because yeah. what I would say is if you're a sister of someone you think is being, you know, abused or in a course of controlled relationship, um, if, if you go over to their house and they make it very uncomfortable for you, don't stop. You know, don't enable the, right. the abuser, basically, is what I would say. Um, yes. I remember years ago, like I was living with an ex. Anyway, I will say, but um, I remember um, little things that that he w- would say at the odd time about my family. But when actually this one day he said to me, your mum said this to me about you. And I just knew those words my mum would never say. And I well, said to him straight up, straight to his face. And I said to him, now I know you're lying and I know you've been lying for a long time. But I said, I know. And I was so strong in it. I was like, I know my mum yes. would never say that about me. And like, you're basically full of shit. And that was it. And it was nearly, it was really the last thing. I was like, whatever you want to say about me, whatever you want to say about yes. anybody else, but do not come between me and my mum. And I just remember yeah. the strength of it. That it was like, that's it. I'm doing Like I'm gone, you know. Um, you were lucky. You were lucky yeah. that you could identify, if I may say, you were lucky. You could, Mairead, pick out that that's not her. That's not my mum. She wouldn't say that. I know, Stephanie, right? but I currently had 1,020 red flags. You know, I, I, I collected them. Like we had a full collection going on, you know, but it was, yeah. that was the final one. Um, but you were lucky. Yes. I, I see that, but you were lucky there because sometimes, the, you know, people who work, the, who operate this way, they're, they're very, you know, they're very good at it. Mm-hmm. And they're very good at what we call the half truth. You know, they will give you something that has, a lot of not something that's not true, but within it, something that is true. So it inserts a level of doubt in you. Now, yes. in that instance, you didn't get that because you were clear as a bell. That's not, they're not my mother's words. Yes. So you knew he had, to, but why you think about this, what was he trying to do? He's trying to separate you isolate me, or yeah. diminish her in your eyes Yes, or, or put a doubt that maybe she's not your friend. So they are core things. They're core little things that, that can happen. So when, when boyfriends, partners or husbands criticize friends and family, we have to be careful because you know what? We're all worthy of criticism. Yeah. We're not perfect. Our friends aren't perfect. Our family aren't perfect. But they are our choice. Yes, I think we. I think it's very important, though, that you're not isolated from your friends and family. And I think it's during that time you you really need your friends and family. But also, if your friend or a family member are going through this, to support yeah. them, don't further isolate them. Is what we're saying. Number yes. two, uh, does he draw? Sorry, number two, does he deprive you of basic everyday needs like food, electricity, or heating? Like that is quite controlling. So. Uh, well, that's at the at the full end of the spectrum there. It is. But ba- that, mm. Well, that's like one of your basic needs. Like they are your basic needs, food, electricity mm. and heating. Um, I had uh, somebody that I, I know. money comes in there, the, if I do- may say. Yeah, it does. Um, manages I, I know somebody that they were during their wedding speech laughing about how much he um, controlled the heating. And mm-hmm. I remember being sitting at a table with other people that I knew and there was this awkwardness. Mm. Um, it went from a, a fabulous day to the wedding speeches and everybody was a little bit like, Cringe. oh, yeah, oh, this isn't good, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, they are your basic needs and they like none of those should be monitored. 
No, well, I, I think, you know, it's by agreement. You, you work on all of these things, yeah. isn't it? It's it's about power being equal, but it's also about about money being equal. Now, maybe further down that list there, we're going to talk about money. But when it comes to that one, I think, you know, there's often little versions of this, little yes. mini versions. And number three, do you think he is monitoring your online activity or has installed spyware on your phone, laptop and any other device? So I recently had um, Mary Hayes on my podcast um she is from two into you it's, for, it's basically women's age yes. for, for the younger generation we'll say people that may be not living in with their partners yet but um that's one thing we talked about is spyware and i was i asked her what is spyware and she oh, yeah, said it can be t- not just air tags because air tags are like kind of pop up on your phone that there's an air tag around you they're very yeah. often sold as parent monitoring devices mm. and monitoring your location um, where you are all of those things like there's just it's so intrusive it's basically technology um, but also you know all online activity locations your photographs who you're texting who you're not texting all of those things yeah, and it's so easy now because things have have become. You know, there was a time when this was all sort of, uh, as they say, only spies had these kind of uh, monitoring devices. Yeah. But now you can pick them up for I I, I gather a very small amount. So, uh, but the point is, again, as you say, on that spectrum of from zero to a hundred of of this kind of behaviour, the thing is, you can see it in small versions when people keep an eye on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned funny when I was preparing for this, somebody I used to go out, out with years ago and uh, and he read my diaries when I was out. Oh, wow. And I remember thinking, why would you ever read that? Like, even if you found it, why would you ever read that? And I would see that in retrospect, while at maybe 22, 23, I didn't have the you know, the skill to see it for what it was. But I would see that as a a, a total disregard for my autonomy and privacy. And it was, and, and laterally I would look back and say, was a controlling guy, was a guy who wanted to know everything about you. And that's sort of, so mm-hmm. needless to say, we didn't end up together, but mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm just saying that kind of incursion, you know, that intrusion into past the boundaries of normal, which is what these signs are, are telling you, but I'm just filling in the blanks. I hope I'm not overdoing it there. No, I understand that. people, but I, I just think it's it's where it shows up and how it shows up. Yeah, and number four there, do they take control over aspects of your everyday life, such as where you go, who you can see, what you wear, uh, when to be home and when you can sleep? Sleep. Like the most yeah. basic thing. This uh, This stuff is just insane, but like... The thing I suppose is, they're giving I, you there all the possibles. They are. but, I, but All the possibles. You won't, thing, you won't get all of them. My big thing here, okay, is, and what I've kind of seen through doing research for today, is none of these are amplified kind of just in isolation. They're not just like on a Saturday no. morning, he brings you breakfast in bed, so he woke you up for it, which, you know, don't bring me breakfast in bed if you've done it. No, this is a it, pattern, you know, a consistent pattern. It is. It's very much, and it's stuff that if you were actually saying out loud, you you might even as you're saying it out loud go, oh, maybe I'm just being a little bit excessive, but it's not. It's all of these little things. They absolutely drive you insane. Um Particularly when they come together. And if I can say, Mairead, like sometimes when you say one, as you say, you think, oh, that's that's nothing. But it's you're you're only going to see some some or one 
or all of, you know, many of these. And you're, you're going to see them in a pattern that leads you to feeling yeah. intimidated that leads you to feeling fearful. So it's the pattern of them all really that matters. Yeah, number five, they have, do you do they stop you from accessing support services such as specialist support or medical services? Mm-hmm. Like again, medical shouldn't be a, an issue Extreme. at all. Yeah. And uh, number six, um, are they repeatedly putting you down such as telling you that you're worthless? Mm. And I th- can I say, I think in that, what I hear, and I'm sure you hear plenty of, mm-hmm. of this, is the it can be the criticisms the micro criticisms about weight about yes. how attractive you are or not yes about uh, how you look and how you dress is that slutty is that is you know who are you dressing for yes why are you dressing like that this kind of ins- these are kind of you know they're they're they can come across as reasonable questions standing alone. But when you put them together with the picture, you know, of, yes. of, of it, with the intention, where the intention is not to say, you look gorgeous in that, but rather, why are you wearing that? Yeah. Doesn't that, it doesn't come across as a, as a possible compliment or not even a compliment down the line. Yeah, or even so, just like, are you, are you really going to wear that out tonight? That has been said yes. to me. And I remember thinking, well, I am now. Inserting the doubt. And you see, it's insidious and it's it's incremental and it kind of creeps up on you. Mm -hmm. That one, two, three, you get that Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Yes. Sorry. Do they enforce rules and activity that humiliate, degrade or dehumanise you? Wow. Um, Say that one again. Do they? Do they enforce rules and activity that humiliate, degrade or dehumanise you? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, it's just really a shocking number eight then do they force you to take part in criminal activities such as shoplifting of course we don't think I wouldn't have thought of that as an element um, mm-hmm. do they control well, you're under someone yeah. else's control do mm-hmm. they have control of the finances and prevent you from working and having your own money now that's what you were saying I yes. think that probably happens more often than, than people know oh, and um, yeah. feeling guilty for buying something and then probably saying that you don't look great when you're going out or doing anything, maybe not letting mm. you out, all of those things. But like definitely well, let's be honest, Mairead, money is choice. Money yes. is, when you have money, you have freedom and choice. And uh, controlling money, if you want to control someone, controlling their money is a very good way. And yeah. um, always having a reason why you can't have and you can't have and you can't have. But uh, so in that sense, it, it can be used in a very positive way mm-hmm. where we're a couple and we're, and we're planning and we're saving and we're, you know, mm-hmm. even scrimping and scrimping for a while, you know, but it's it's where that is imposed as opposed to agreed. I would say in relation to the finances and money, um, I, in my master class, would always say that women should have a runaway fund. My grandmother always would have talked about a runaway fund. Yes. And I think it's something that we should never get rid of. Um, it's mm. a fund that one is just cash. It's there somewhere. Um, and second of all, nobody knows about it. It's just you for if you do ever need to get away from a situation. Doesn't matter how healthy your relationship is, I think that everybody should have their own money. But actually I covered in my podcast with um Paul Merriman from Ask Paul uh, on my yeah. podcast would like to meet. I asked him what's the ideal and I you know, I did discuss potentially a runaway fund and yeah, um, and, and those things. Thought. Yeah, and he said you absolutely should, you know, because there is independence with having money. Yeah. And I 
you know there's a lot to be learned as well from my grandmother's generation she'd always mm-hmm. you know have said uh, friends of hers would have always had it but I think look it's not sometimes it's just not there it's not people don't have it so what and I would sometimes say they don't people, need it yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes they don't, they need, don't it. need it. There's equality. Um, yes. You see, I think that years ago, if I may say, and it would have been before my time of working, because I've always had my own money and always worked for my for myself, and um, and I could never envisage not having that. And yes. so my world would be that. And I certainly a bit like you. You know, my mother was a very independent woman, also very much a a sort of big part of the providing um, yes. for the household and. Um, so I always learned and she did always say you must always have your own money and but I always took that you took it as runaway fund right yeah and that's fine that's good I always took it as have my own money and earn Mm -hmm. because well I think for lots of reasons it's not only that you have the fund but rather you have the capacity as well to provide for yourself into the future so so power and within relationships is always quite an equal because it remains equal I think though it's slightly different to having your own money and a runaway fund so like say two people going for a mortgage like it might be yeah. a husband and wife going for a mortgage and they're declaring their assets and everything I still think there mm-hmm. should be an extra little private fund that nobody knows about I just personally do think so and I would say mm-hmm. if people don't have independent money that are listening to this at the moment you know, t- start with whatever you can afford. Even if it's only 10 euro a week or 20 euro a week, I do think that everybody should have just that little bit of freedom because there is a certain level of freedom. Even having two, three grand to the side, you know, is is great. Um, mm. ten then, Would you agree the same for men? I absolutely would. I think everybody should. Yeah. I think everybody yeah. should have their own. I am, and actually, during that podcast, we talked about the ideal. Like, there, I don't think both people should be pulling out. There should be a household fund. And I think... They, they, they will say now in a heterosexual couple, the wife or the girlfriend should have one uh, bank account for themselves and then the, the husband or the boyfriend will say it would have a fund for themselves. Like there should be at least three bank accounts if that's the case. Um, I think ideally as a ex-financial advisor for seven years, I would definitely yes. say for to, to save the marriage as well as having a bit of independence. Um, mm. Next then, 10, do they threaten to reveal or publish private information about you like private photos videos online and everything now we're seeing a huge increase with this with the um, increase of technology however there is that new law that was passed a couple of months ago Coco's Law um, and I think it's important to put it in here Um, it's completely illegal to share any sort of content um, without people's consent or you know especially important to know yes but also it's illegal to threaten to share it. So I think that's yeah. very important to know that. Because it's intimidatory. It is, yeah, know? it really is. Mm. So mm. just at the end of Women's Aid, it does say if you need help, uh, if any of these things are happening to you in your relationship or even if you want to talk to Women's Aid, uh, it's a 24-hour national free phone helpline and it's available to you. The number is 1800-341-900. So we got those things off mm. off their website. Now, Women's one thing, Aid. Yeah, Women's Aid. But actually, it's also in 170 languages which I think is amazing. Yeah, super helpful. Yeah. Just one one point of clarity there that that we didn't um we didn't say is of course that coercive control is um illegal and it is a criminal act. Yes. Um, since 2019. And um now the 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 proof and uh trying to prove it is not easy and um but that doesn't mean um uh, that doesn't mean that it's not successful and yes. it has been successful and there have been a number of convictions and there's a one year to five year 
um, sentencing on that. Now, we're not legal experts, but I think it's important to know it is an offence. And you, if you're if you're in that space yes. and you feel under any kind of intimidation within a relationship, Women's Aid is, as you say, go to that uh, website. I really after and meeting, read it. after meeting yeah. with them as well, um, it is an incredible service. Like they're they they'll believe mm. you is what I would say. Just go and just talk to them. Exactly. And even if it's not, you don't have any concrete evidence or anything that you can just ring them and talk. And it is it is yeah. very good to know. I think it's a fantastic service that we should all know about. And also there's mm-hmm. Men's Aid as well, um, the male version of women's age so just to know that that's there as well for men because coercive control um, can happen to anybody any of those things that we've just discussed can happen to anybody within their relationship from Should I, I think now is yeah. it probably a good time just Stop, to yeah. mention, just because you've mentioned yes. men's aid there, and and I think we'll do more on this in due course for men. But I had a very heartfelt um, email over the weekend, and mm-hmm. it was in relation to uh, psychological abuse for by a man, for, for, you know, by this man or not by this man to this man, by his wife over many years, and it was really what was really heartfelt was that he was really explaining to me how he did not feel that he would ever be believed. And I really found that, and I'm going to do, you know, well, we'll talk about it more on this, but Mm -hmm. that he said the narrative, and of course, rightly so. I mean, he was all for women and, you know, all of what, you know, what women go through, but he felt that the services, the narrative and the, and the overall kind of belief that women were incapable of doing this yes. was something that was shutting a lot of men down. And uh, and I have to tell you, I heard him. And uh, I think, you, you know, it's something that we have to just open our minds to a little bit. Yeah. I would meet a lot of people that come to me for matchmaking that have had abusive relationships in the past. And I suppose they come to me for matchmaking as a, a kind of a safer way to date or knowing that... Yes. You know, yes. they don't want to get back into the the pattern as well. Um, men and women? Uh, men and women. Uh, yeah. And yeah. and to be honest, quite 50-50. I, you know, we kind of probably yes. hear more about the women's side of things more often. But definitely yeah. 50-50. Um, uh, as well as other kind of agitators like alcoholism or, um, mm. you know, uh, drug abuse or something like that that might from time to time have been present as well. But um, the small little things, and, and it is, it's small little things. There's no one thing. And and that's very often what people think. It needs to be, you need a list of 20 things. It's not. It's small yes. little things. Um, small incremental things yes. that erode. I always think of that kind of erode. You know, the way, it, the, the way things kind of rust over time yeah, you know crumble, it's a, yes. there's, there's a there's there's layers of sort of development of the problem and uh and that's i suppose what you and i are trying to mention here is is really to get people to be alert to the kinds of behaviors that 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 you can face but also the kinds of behaviors you should watch out for but also then how you can make sure not to facilitate it in any way so from your clinical perspective how, you know, if someone ha- is in that situation or has been in that situation, what would you recommend to do? Well, amazingly, you, um, and maybe this is a good good point um, on this one, is that the very first thing that, that I often find myself saying to people is, I want you to go to the Women's Aid website. Yes. I want you to just read that tonight. I want you to, you know, I want you to just see where do you fit in that? Mm-hmm. Or I would print it out for them, but now in Zoom times, you know. Yes. But often I would just say, you go to that, send them the link. I want you to just read it. Don't don't talk about it to anybody. Just 
Just, so what you're really doing from my point of view is um, I'm really trying to help people to get back to their own perception of reality okay. and to gain some objectivity, to gain some confidence in their own way of seeing things. And that's usually the task of the clinician at that point. Okay. Um, for anybody that may have previously experienced coercive control within their relationship and are trying to move on to starting again afresh, yeah. any advice there? Well, huge advice. I mean, I think that uh, first of all, as I say, we would go that step, look at that, uh, you know, see that if people can identify it. Obviously, we're te- we're, we're, if we're dealing with the person not being safe, that's a different matter. We're on the full end and edge of that and you're drawing in all the services and all of that. I tend to work in the frame where people are struggling with control in the relationship or struggling with the power imbalance, a toxic power imbalance. So I'm usually at the point before it reaches the Gardaí, if you like. Yes. I'm usually at the point where I'm helping people to empower themselves, to see that they have choice, to see that it doesn't have to, the story doesn't have to end one way, mm-hmm. that you can find a way through this. And the first is observing the behaviour that's in front of you, noticing what it is doing to yourself, noticing how you are adapting yourself and bending yourself to fit into this situation emotionally, psychologically and behaviorally, doing things you'd never have done, given up sport, given up your friends, yeah. uh, coming home at six o'clock and getting a pain in your stomach if it's five past six. Why is that happening? You know, helping them to identify how this has really, in a very micro way, how this is going on in their life. And then in a very small way, one thing I always encourage people is feel no pressure to change this straight away. Okay, yeah. Because because it's it's too much. Unless you they're in immediate really danger, of course, time. in which case they need to move faster, especially well, of if there's course. children involved, yeah. But as I say, we're in that different yes. uh, quadrant. And but but it's about and I definitely would get a fair amount of that. And um, so you're helping them really, you know, long before they can look back and see where this has emanated from and what behaviors um, left you open to this yes. in some respect. And uh, and was there a way you could have seen it earlier? So you're helping them to strengthen for the future. But um, certainly the first phase is making sure you're safe, identifying all the behaviours. Mm-hmm. Is this a situation that can change? Has it prospects for change? Are you are you able to um, exert some influence over it? Um, and if so, how to do that? And many people do want to change because it's not at the full end. You know, it's not at the at the vicious end. It's it's what we would call, you know, negative negative behaviours that can lead to that kind of a bad mm-hmm. situation. Um, from if anybody that is I would say starting out dating again I've said it before but I think it's no harm to reiterate because my advice is always the same and the reason being it does work um, is remembering that dating is two people just getting to know each other so whether you're three dates in or 20 dates in they're still strangers so you know don't fall in love too easy remembering that they're still a stranger and you're only getting to know them Next, what I would say to people is, um, you know, try, I know, look, there's no ideal and there are no rules when it comes to dating. Try not to sleep with someone too soon. 
Mm. For a lot of people, it's for a lot of different reasons. But my reasonings there would be that when we have sex with somebody, our bodies are flooded with dopamine Mm. and neuroadrenaline and lots of other fabulous chemicals that make you believe, and especially for females more so than men, that make you believe that you're in love with that person. And so Mm. it's very important to realise that they're still a stranger. So, and the reason I say that, uh, you know, and, and look, if you have, and, and that's fine as well. Okay. But like, try not to, if you can at all. And the reason is because you're still, you're going to see the red flags better because you're not going to be wearing these rose tinted, uh, I'm in love glasses. You're, you're going to make better decisions. You're going to be a little bit more aware of whether or not, um, you are in love with them or if you're only getting to know them still. Next then is actually being aware of the three stages of love. One being the romantic time when it's a case of all the chemicals and all the lovely things are are floating around you. Um, and note, you know, you are, again, probably ignoring some of the red flags that are there. Then they go into the power struggle stage. The power struggle stage is very often when you are putting your boundaries in place and listening to how the partner or the person that you're with accepts your boundaries if they have no respect for your boundaries these are giant red flags and therefore it's important to listen to them because I think it's important to know what is a healthy relationship like what the beginning stage of a relationship can develop what does it look like a healthy or a non-healthy relationship Uh, and trying to keep it out of the house for as long as possible I say as well but Mm. you know having as well your reactions ready so what is okay for you what's not okay for you Um, if they do try and kind of isolate you from your friends and family you know if you let that slide the first time they'll know it might be easy to do it a second Mm. time whereas if you're like excuse me don't come between me and my family you're welcome to come along but you know, come along yeah. wholeheartedly. If you're going to be there, be present. If not, don't come along. And being strong enough to be able to say to them, don't come mm. along if you if if it's not going to be. And also, the word no, I think, is hugely important with no explanation. So there's just a few little things there that if you are starting out in a relationship, they're all things that I kind of wished I knew myself in my 20s. And that's why mm. I probably do reiterate them. But not letting yourself fall in love too quickly and which is difficult if yeah. you've been single for a long time or if you have been in a relationship and being aware of love bombing as well yeah can I say something about that yes. the um you know when you were saying there about don't fall in love too quickly and of course behind that is all our need and yes. all our want as you say and dating dating and all the all that goes wrong and all the letdowns and people are worn out and burnt out with the whole blooming thing and so somebody comes along and they are charming Mm-hmm. and fabulous and they want to see you every minute of the day yeah. and it is very very seductive it it's what you're kind of hoping for it's what you're yeah. hoping will happen and when it happens yeah. yes it's very easy to let go of all those little sensible missensible little uh, things that you've picked up on but and fall right in there and the problem with that is that the narcissistic type of person mm-hmm is very, very good at that because they they can tune into that need yes. in you and they and 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 it overtakes a little bit. Also yes. it overtakes, as you mentioned all about that, the more you sleep with somebody, the more connected you are. The more we touch people, mm-hmm. the more we're connected and all of that at a at a chemical uh, level. And and that's lovely and lovely, you know, but 
it's confusing at the outset, as you say. And what it also does is it leaves you without direction internally. It, it makes it you're more you have a rose tinted glass on and you are more inclined to you know, unnotice, if you like, mm-hmm. the something that 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 set off a teeny alarm bell yes. or your alarm bells are muted for a while. So that's what you're saying there. Yes. And I think it's massively important to slow it down. Now, I know we've said that many times, and but many people don't listen to e- all of them. But it's all of easy to talk podcasts. about it. It's very easy if we're, you're out for a walk and you're listening to yourself and myself, Stephanie, talking. It's very yeah. different sitting in front of the man that you are, woman that you have been waiting for for two or three years. COVID has happened in the meantime. People are lonely. They may, you know... Um, have all their friends that are married or engaged or on their fourth baby or Mm. all these things that they think they're being left behind, which they're not. And it's now they're like, oh, it's my turn. And the thing is as well, a lot of their friends are like, isn't it great now? Mairead has met someone. We're delighted for her. And then you've got other friends. And they are. Oh yeah. And like Stephanie has told me that Mairead has met somebody and oh my goodness, do you think this is the one? And you know, you don't want to be like, well, actually I've got all these red flags. And so as well, try and not tell everybody, maybe one or two friends and even saying to them, it's your job to kind of keep my feet grounded here. Don't let me run away with myself because I am only getting to know the person. Yeah. Don't let it accelerate too quickly is what you're saying. And sometimes, which is partly why I often say to people, you know, don't don't share it too much, both your problem and your I know people say talk, 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 you know, and talking is important. And of course, I'm in the business of talk, but it's got to be the right kind of talk. If you the kind of talk you're speaking of there is people are accelerating it and kind of saying almost making it harder for you to see what might be wrong here, Mm -hmm. because you're only on a discerning journey. You're only trying to get to know, as you say. And so. We got to you got to keep those lines nice and clear. The other the other inverse of this, and we've we haven't we probably will end up doing maybe a separate podcast on narcissism and when these things really show up. But Mm -hmm. um, I mean, typically it is a narcissistic type personality disorder, if you like. Those are the kinds of people with those traits that tend to move into the coercive control kind of behaviors. They, not all of them now, you know, we're talking tendencies here. We're talking spectrums Can here, I ask from you, zero sorry. to 100. Yeah, on a clinical yep. level, is a narcissistic personality disorder, like, is it actually a mental disorder? Or Because we hear the word narcissist thrown around so much on social, be- on social media. Yeah. Is it actually like a diagnosis? Yes, Wow. Yes, it is. And we see it and we spot it, but it's subtle. It can be subtle. Yes. Because they can be, narcissists can be masked in very successful lives. You know, so they're not, these are under the radar kind of disorders. There's many of those which like, you know, we talk a lot about borderline, borderline, um, um, mothers who have, you know, sort of this sort of they, they're still operating extremely well um, on the outside, but inside in, in, in the home where there are a lot of emotional demands, they, something different happens. So it's something that they can operate in the normal sphere of life. And it only becomes really obvious in more intimate relationships. Okay. So that's why it's hard to spot. Okay. Narcissism goes into that frame as well, because it's It's harder to see because the person, it is a disorder and we would see it as a mental health condition, not easily dealt with. 
where people, you know, have have an unreasonable sort of sense, you know, grandiosity, where they have a yes. an unreasonable sense of their own importance. Um, they tend to seek too much attention, mm-hmm. and they want people to admire them, and that's why you have to be careful at the outset. Yes. They want your attention from the love bombing. They, they love bomb you because they want to be with mm-hmm. you all the time because you fill them up. Today, I think we've talked a lot about the when you encounter the narcissist, when you encounter the coercive control. But you also have to encounter, you know, the behaviours in yourself that could facilitate it. It's not that it's not that it's your fault in any way, but I'm just saying these are the way you protect yourself. I often say to people, show yourself at the earliest point. That's your best shot in relationships, in my view. But remember, for everybody, that's not so easy. I meet a lot of women and men who find it difficult to be assertive in that relationship. So you can see that if you were if you were critical of somebody early, Mm -hmm. you might you might flush out that narcissist very early in that relationship. You know, I don't believe you when you say you're you've you know, you got a first class honours when I know you never went to such and such. You know, know, I, I don't I don't believe you when you say that you will poke the bear. And you will find out what you're dealing with at the very, very outset. Quickly, very quickly. Yeah. Go straight yeah. to it is my view. Be open, be honest, be you. Sorry, I don't go out with people who exaggerate. Yeah. So I suppose right? no harm to, to identify what the narcissist is, kind of behaviours that they have that can then lead to course control. Of course, there's a lot yes. of people that are already in that situation that might be listening to this podcast at the moment. And, you know, if they are, I think the yes. most important thing is maybe have a look on womensaid.ie or mensaid.ie. Um, even if you are a man, don't be afraid to look on Women's Aid because it, it's explained very clearly on their website. Um, and of course, Women's Aid number um, is free phone number. It's 1800 341 And if you're a man and you would like to contact Men's Aid, it's 01554 11. And of course, Safe Ireland is another great website to look up as well. But if anybody wants to contact myself and Stephanie that have been in a situation where they just really don't know where to go um, at any stage about anything that we discuss in our podcast, absolutely reach out to us because we're always here. You know, we'll point you in the right direction if necessary. Exactly. Lovely talking today. Always, Stephanie. Thanks a million. Thank you, mate.